Hey guys, and welcome to another great episode of Be Hero Presents, the Bump Card Wrestling Podcast. My name is Brian, and as always, I will be your host tonight, and with me is my partner, Psycho. How are we doing tonight, Psycho? Uh, we're doing all right. You, you, you said that intro a little bit different than normal. <laughs> yeah, I gotta change it up every once in a while, man. I gotta change it up. So, well, uh, to let you guys know, we initially sat down here, and we're going to talk about something totally different um but we decided uh to uh, due to some sad news uh that just came out uh that we're going to change the the flow of things so if things seem a little weird a little off uh it's because we really didn't have any time to prep for this um but for you who don't know as we're recording this uh a few hours ago uh Jay Briscoe with the Briscoe Brothers, uh, part of ROH, multiple-time champion there. Um, has been champion over an Impact. Uh, I believe New Japan, they were champions one time as well. Uh, has uh, died in a car accident. Uh, it was him and another person who had passed away uh, in that car accident in Delaware. Um, there's not a whole lot of details about what happened, you know, about the, what, what was going on with that, everything. It's still fresh. But we wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, well, Jay, of course, um, but also about other wrestlers uh, in the mainstream business as well as here in Utah that uh, have impacted uh, us as well as a majority of the wrestling world. So we'll go through a few of these ones and kind of get our feelings uh, of what was going on at the time and how we feel about everything now. Uh, so let's go ahead and start with the fresh one uh, about Jay Briscoe. Uh, again, a multiple tag champion along with his brother, uh, Jimmy Briscoe. No, it's not right. Jimmy and Jay. Jimmy and Jay Briscoe. Oh, it is Jimmy. Is it Jimmy? I can't remember. Well, this is off to I'm a sorry great start. I don't remember. I know. I, I will be honest but- with you. Um, I thought that their work was always crisp, but I was never a huge fan of the Briscoe brothers. Um, it just felt like they were there for the high spots. Uh, it's kind of a similar feeling I have with the Bucks, uh, the Young Bucks. So Jay's a great wrestler, and everyone I've ever spoke with who's talked to him or worked with him have always gave him high regard, um, as long as you're staying on his good side. So, uh, but. It's never a good thing about losing anybody in this life, as well as somebody as talented as, as well as respected in this industry. Um, so it is very sad that we have to start off with him. And uh, Psycho, I, I, what do you think? Uh, it was Mark Briscoe is his brother. It's Jay and Mark That's Briscoe. Right. My brain kept going to the Usos. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, I'll be honest. Uh, like, I knew of the Briscoes, but I didn't. I didn't honestly watch a lot of their work. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. they were very controversial tag team. Um, I know that uh, um, a lot. I had heard a lot of uh, people saying that you know the AEW or or the networks wouldn't let them onto national television like that, and so they were they were kind of an underground, um, kind of a cult following almost with their tag team. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people had had said that they were one of the best tag teams in the world, and so um, it's it's kind of sad that we never really, and and we never will get to see them on 
uh, mainstream wrestling for one of the bigger companies. Um, but yeah, I've heard I've heard about the Briscoes for for gosh years and years um, yeah. back when when Ring of Honor was really big too, and uh, I remember I remember the first time I heard about the Briscoes, I was like, wait a minute, like Gerald Briscoe, like <laughs> you know, yeah, that's why I shot too. First time. Jack Briscoe, what? I was like, no way, they're old, <laughs> but uh, not realizing. <laughs> Not realizing that there was a younger, you know, group and no relation that I'm aware of. Um, but uh sad uh sad for the wrestling industry as a whole whenever somebody um that has a promising future and a and a and a legacy like that passes away. Yeah, it definitely. Um and add on top of this, uh like I mentioned that there's been a few people I've talked to. Um who uh, have known the Briscoes, um, a, a friend of mine, uh, Vig, uh, Brian Vig, he had, uh, done some work with the Briscoes off and on. And, uh, he had mentioned to me before that, uh, they are, they're fine with you. Like they're, they're good people with you. They'll joke around with you, friendly with you, but don't get them on their bad side. <laughs> so I'm not sure where that goes from there, but again, it, it, for the industry and for anybody, um, it's always a loss. Uh, I, I think Cody Rhodes, who tweeted out about this shortly after it happened, probably says it best. So I'm just going to uh, read out what he tweeted. Uh, his tweet says, I didn't interact with him much, but upon meeting Jay, I instantly understood something about him. He, his family was everything. Uh, as all the love in the world to them and or to them this evening. And I, I think that's kind of sums it up. If you were if you were knit with him, if you were family with Jay, uh, then you were family. And if you were not family, you might get the cold shoulder. Uh, that being said, there's been many people in this industry who have passed. Um, again, both in the mainstream as well as on the indies. Uh, one that kind of triggered one for me. Um, which is an indie one I'm going to bring up really quickly. And I know it will for you as well is, uh, we're actually reading, uh, Jay Briscoe's, uh, non work name, uh, which was, uh, Jamin Pugh or panel. Pugh, uh, Pugh. I apologize. That's probably Pugh. Um, yeah. But Jamin is, uh, another name of a local wrestler or was a name of a local wrestler who was uh, a mentor to me and a mentor and friend to you as well. I know, uh, who worked here under the name of super destroyer and uh, he'd been around in the business. I think he came up with you back in the day with the, you and Nav and Michelle. Yeah. So, so he wasn't, uh, he wasn't in the first batch of me and Michelle and brick Alexander, um, and Marcus. Uh, but we met Jamin, um, when we went down, um, to train with Steve Gatorwolf and, uh, at the time, Jamin was more or less like Steve Gatorwolf's right hand man. He was he was uh kind of being taken under uh Gatorwolf's wing, um and and uh being shown how to promote. He was ring announcing, um and so he was kind of learning the uh the behind the scenes, you know, the business side of of wrestling. Mm-hmm. 
And when when uh, Gator Wolf went away and we didn't have anybody to, to run shows, Jamin was who we had basically elected to uh, uh, to basically book our shows and, and be the man in charge. And and so he uh, he started booking us on shows and he started um, ring announcing. And, uh, just, a he was just a really great guy. Like, I mean, it didn't take very long. If you, you know, if you know Jamin or knew Jamin, uh, he was, he was somebody that instantly you would form that bond. He would talk to you like you were, you know, you had known each other for years and, uh, mm-hmm. just one of the best people ever in the business, um, that I've ever met and and uh was honored to call a friend and um gosh it just kept going for years and years after that and then like i honestly hadn't seen him wrestle for um you know for until till i was in the business several years um and then <laughs> in in fact uh cuz he he didn't do much wrestling until um until like right around the time that i started acw and um i i didn't know that cuz he never trained with us or anything he was always just you know gator wolf's right hand guy and so um so i didn't know that he had you know trained with jamin before or i trained with gator wolf before and whatnot and so uh then i remember going to um like cauliflower alley club and things like that and jamin would show up in the super destroyer mask and he would be He'd be in this, you know, this bright red, you know, suit that. And if you if you know, um, if you know him, you know what I'm talking about. Um, Because yeah. he was, you know, uh, Phil has that suit, right? I had heard that. Yes. Yes. Josh Glade, yeah. Phil, Big Phil has that suit. Yes. I know he's very proud of that, too. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, um. But yeah, and so he started doing that, and I always and he does he did ten shows like at UCW or different things like that. Um, in fact, when UCW started, uh, their UCW's like company that like owns it, it's NGC um, uh, Productions or whatever, and the C in NGC is Chinnicky, which is Jamin's last name. Because he was he was actually one of the, basically one of the founders of UCW Zero. I don't know if you knew that. Um, I did not. Yeah, and it was it was him. The G stood for Gonzalez for Lazaro, Gonzalez, and then of course the N was was Steve Nelson for Steve Slick. And so those are the three founders of UCW. Um, huh. So there there you go. Um, and so I remember bringing in Jamin though, and and uh, I know Junior X was was really um, close with him. Uh, yeah. So was our friend Lucky, um, yeah. who who had uh, wrestled with him, and um, and and many others. I mean, ju- I mean, you could just go down the list of people that he was close with, because like I said, he he was. I bet you there were so many people that could call him one of their best friends. Um, yeah. And, but, uh, when he went out there to wrestle, it was, uh, 
he had so much personality behind that mask and everything. If you knew the super destroyer strut, you know, and just the come on, baby, and the and his chops, you wouldn't want to be on the uh-huh. receiving end of a super destroyer chop. Um, nope. But it was also <laughs> it was also a badge of honor, right, to get chopped by super destroyer at least once, at least once. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite memories of of Jamin. And I don't want to make, I mean, we, like I said, we're going to have to do our own, uh, a whole show on him at some point because like, yeah, we, there's just so much material. We can't do it justice in one little blip here, but I'll just say that one of my favorite memories was, uh, it was, uh, it was a tag team match. It was a three on two handicap match, um, uh, at, uh, at, in Willard, Utah. And it was, uh, I think it was, uh, war was, I, I think it was one of the first few war shows up in Willard that they had booked. And it was, it was me and super destroyer. We got to, we got to team up, um, against, uh, against, uh, Brad Landon, Adam Reyes and Chad Bryant. Oh, only, only <laughs> And I remember we had, it was it was those three against us, and I remember uh, we I had devised this spot where where um, I think it was uh, I forget who was in the middle, but it was a battering ram spot where two of the other guys grabbed grabbed the other one and used it as a battering ram on on uh, I think it was Super Destroyer. It might have been both of us. But and that was that was the finish, and it got such a reaction there. Um, I mean, Super Destroyer, Jamin, he was he was in such rare form up in Willard. Those fans just it was just fun times, and I I even wrestled him up in Willard, so I have a lot of good memories um, of of uh, wrestling against him or teaming with him. Um, and it was sad. Uh, it was sad to hear um, of his passing. I remember. Um, he had, uh, I believe it was, it was a family member of his that posted first saying that he was really sick with COVID and, uh, in the hospital. That's how I heard about it at least first. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, and then it kind of happened pretty quickly. If I remember correctly, um, about two weeks after he was, uh, or three weeks after he was brought in because he was in a coma for two weeks. Right. Um, he was he was in there. Uh, I heard initially from uh, Spike and Amanda um, about it because they had all heard about it. Um, and I had just seen Jamin. Um, I'd probably gone over there. I think it was like three months beforehand. Uh, me and Phil had gone over there for a, a poker night, like a, one of his famous poker nights there. So we'd go and play <laughs> poker with him and a bunch of the people that were friends with him and stuff like that. And, uh, it was, it was just crazy. And then, uh, uh, when he was at the, like when he was in the hospital, he, he, when they put him in the coma, he never woke back up. And, uh, I was asked by Amanda who was setting everything up, um, if I wanted to say my goodbyes to him at that point. And, uh, I, I, I chose not to, um, not that I didn't want to say goodbye. But I didn't want my last memory of uh, somebody I looked up to so much like Jamin to be his frail body in the hospital like that. 
and I chose not to say my goodbyes that way. I, I've said my goodbyes my own way, um, but it was it was a very hard time. Uh, but speaking of uh, who Jamin was as Super Destroyer, uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but since his passing, there's a couple of hints of things that he does that I do now um, that has affected both uh, me as a person and my character. One, uh, I mentor a lot more people now. Um, I, I've taken it upon myself to, to fill in that role that Jamin did for us. And uh, <laughs> the other thing I do is uh, I totally imitate him with uh, stuff in the ring. It's like, come on, baby, let's go, baby. <laughs> All the time, whenever I'm in the ring and doing matches and stuff like that. Because uh, that's just, that's who Jamin was, man. And uh, he'll be missed. For real, I, I wished I would have uh, went to one of his poker nights. He, I know he had invited me um, several times, and I regret that I, I wasn't able to make it. Um, and then uh, my other, my other big regret is that, like you, I, um, I mean, you went to his funeral, or his memorial service, um, at least, and yes. and uh, I wasn't able to make it, and and. Part of me was just I couldn't I I couldn't uh bring myself to go. It was just it was too hard for me. Um and uh there's there's a handful of people that it just I mean he was really one of the good ones. And yeah. um I mean there's and you mentioned like people could quote him under as one of their best friends or mentors and things and uh his funeral was a prime example of that uh jamie didn't have any kids um but every single worker that was there and you can see him uh felt like he was a father figure um or a brother there uh i know myself and will uh junior x um were almost brought to tears on some of the stuff we talked about um, his actual family members, uh, Jamin was adopted and his brothers and family members and things like that were all there. And, uh, they were, they constantly told us that, uh, they couldn't be happier for the life he had to, he was able to live with us, um, being family there. Cause, uh, most of his family didn't live anywhere near Utah. So it was, it was great to, to speak with them and to see how many lives Jamin touched. Um, he was just a great man. Absolutely. There's, um, I don't know. It's like I said, he's, he's just, he was one of the, the really, really good ones. I mean, there's like, I don't, not very many people. I don't think, you know, had a bad word to say about Jamin at any point. He was just, um, which you can't, you can't always say that about most people in, in this business. You know, we've, I think it, for most of us at some point or another, we've, we've all had beef with, with each other, you know, yeah. at various points. Um, Jamin was just really one of the good ones and he cared about people and he cared about this business. And gosh, he was, he was just, he was the biggest fan too. Like if you saw him at Callfire Rally Club, he just, he just was such um, a historian. He just loved being around the business. Um, and uh, he's, yeah. 
he's he's always going to be missed and uh it's um it's it sucks knowing that uh he's no longer here with us oh he he is just not physically with us anymore um with that being said uh let's go ahead and continue on uh like you said before we could talk a whole episode on jamin and one day we will jamin is owed that and uh maybe we'll bring on several other people when we do that i know there's a lot of people we spoke with in the past who uh would love to talk about jamin so uh maybe that'll be a special episode well there's no maybe that will be a special episode so that being said uh let's go ahead and move on to some of the workers who have passed on um that impacted the business as a whole uh and there's several uh that we could talk about um and of course there's uh some of the big ones like uh piper and savage and the crash holly um but what i want to talk about first is um eddie guerrero uh it's what 17 years now i believe uh since eddie's passing and uh it is still affected like you can see things still to this day you can't watch a match where someone doesn't throw a three amigos in there the people aren't cheering for eddie guerrero um to this day right uh the impact that he had in matches uh and and his story in general honestly i'm surprised that like you know disney hasn't grabbed his story or something like that and made a movie out of it uh you know eddie's a second generation wrestler his self family was in the business uh he's the youngest brother of four brothers i believe that wrestled um and his whole life he was training from like the age of like four with a ring in their backyard um but that's you know where he started and then his problems with uh drug abuse and uh you know all the stuff he did with going through w or uh ecw wcw uh and eventually wbe and then being let go from wbe and going to roh with jay briscoe and uh coming back to the wb clean sober and up to the even the day he passed every instance of his life has an amazement to it his career and his ability for charisma was so strong his wife who was not a wrestler still has a career to this day in the wrestling business yeah it was uh and that wasn't something that you know she planned it was you can say a lot about people in the wwe but it was it really was great that they were able to give her you know to take care of his family and to to give vicky um vicky guerrero a a job in the business um and she excelled at it um better than anybody thought she could have um she was a strong character for a while better than most who've been in the business for decades yeah but eddie just she still is yeah over at aew right and eddie and she she obviously got a lot of that from eddie um and eddie just had he was so influential like you you know if you talk about like different wrestlers you know that the emulated style sasha banks you know emulated a lot of of eddie um and gosh they're still doing storylines 
surrounding Eddie. Like, like if you think about like Rey Mysterio and, and uh, Dominic, you know, about how, you know, I'm your poppy, right? It's they're making shirts sure still yeah. about that feud that happened, you know, you know, 20 years ago, whatever it was. Um, pretty amazing. You know, p- when people would do, um, frog splashes it always gets compared to eddie's you know uh he just and it wasn't even his move to start with that was right. he he did that as a memoriam to art bar <laughs> right and and he made it famous you know um yeah. but eddie just it's weird because when when the radicals you know him chris benoit perry saturn dean malenko when they jump ship from wcw to to wwe <laughs> Everybody, I'm sure, you know, initially was thinking like, oh, Chris Benoit is going to be the big star and everything like that. And Chris Benoit did do well, but Eddie was built for the entertainment of the WWE. Mm-hmm. He just um, he was a great wrestler, one of the best, but he but it was his personality, his entertainment value that that he had better than any of those guys. Um. He he got being a heel over his face, like the lie, cheat, and steal thing. That is a hundred percent a heel thing, and he got it over as a face. I, one of my favorite memories uh, of all time when it comes to a match is uh, China had uh, China and Eddie had been doing this uh, Mamacita thing, right? And I want to say that China had had the IC belt, or maybe it was a hardcore belt, one of the two. And she got hit with something, and Eddie comes over to like check on her, and it's like has her in, has her head in her arms, and puts his head her head down on the mat, and is holding her like uh, down, and then he then she he pins her without realizing he's pinning her, and he looks up like oh oh did I do that kind of thing. It was one of my favorite Eddie Guerrero memories back in the day. Do you remember this? I do remember that. Yeah, it was so good, and. It, the way he played it off is such a good character work, man. Oh, he was he was the best at character work. Some of the stuff he did with with his nephew Chavo, which mm-hmm. everybody you know, a lot of people thought they were you know brothers, but they're not brothers. They they or they weren't even cousins. They Eddie was Chavo's uncle, right? Yeah, uh, Eddie's oldest brother. Yes. Son. Yep. Exactly. And um, and so, but they, their stuff is Los Guerreros. Was amazing. That's really where the the lie, cheat, and steal, you know, started. Was when they were mm-hmm. teaming, and they went back even back to WCW. Um, but one of my favorite Eddie Guerrero matches, uh, I have two. I have okay. I've got three favorite Eddie. Gr- I mean, you could pick from so many. I keep saying ninety seven oh, Hollywood oh, Havoc. Yeah, exactly. Yes, against Rey Mysterio at Halloween Havoc ninety seven. Just it was. If it wasn't for Shawn Michaels and Undertaker having the first Hell in the Cell match, that would have been the match of the year. I mean, well, well God, some people still then, think it is. I do. Actually, I mean, and I'm a Shawn Mark. You know this, but I think their match was better. Technically, absolutely. But then, gosh, but then I think of Bret and Austin at WrestleMania 13. That was in 97, too. The submission match. So maybe that was, I mean, there, 97 was one of my favorite years in all of wrestling, but um, <laughs> not Brett's. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it honestly, it was one of Brett's best years, though, too. If you look oh, yeah. at his quality of work during that time. But um, back to Eddie there for 
Um, but uh, that match with Rey Mysterio so revolutionary. Um, and then you had, and then I really like Eddie Guerrero versus Edge. It was a no disqualification match on a SmackDown, no less. It was just on a SmackDown, but it was amazing. Just I remember um, Eddie doing this sunset flip power bomb onto Edge off of the ladder, hmm. and it was. I think it was maybe it was through a table, maybe it wasn't, but it was just amazing. Um, and that match just I in that um it was just a um a great great match. And then I really I really liked Eddie Guerrero versus Brock Lesnar where he wins the championship. Just the emotion of that match. I mean, mm-hmm. Brock worked with him so well. It was it was just amazing. He and he bumped for Eddie and and really made Eddie look like a star. Um and when Eddie wins that championship, just the 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 Cow Palace is where it was. It it came unglued. Like just oh, yeah. everybody went crazy. And it was a shocking moment because we didn't think that Eddie was going to beat Brock Lesnar. At least I didn't. Um, uh, no, I mean with his past, uh with the drug things, they couldn't trust him because hmm. you know he'd been in rehab as well. Like the WB paid for his rehab twice. At that point, uh, <laughs> he was undersized. Um, he's what he was five eleven, I think. Yeah, um, two hundred and forty five pounds, something in that range. I, he was muscle, and he was an amazing talent. But you know, for WWE, he was undersized, right? Um, and then having him beat somebody like Brock Lesnar, and then if I remember right, I believe the very next pay per view uh, it was the one with it was him and Kurt Angle. Which is also a fantastic match. Yeah. Um, I honestly, uh, even though the win, like the pop you get for the win uh, with Brock was amazing, I think the better match was him and Kurt. And well, it was a very, um, it was a very creative finish too of that match because yep. you had um, Eddie untying his his boot right, and so. Kurt Angle has him in the ankle lock and the, you know, he went, Eddie wiggles out of his boot. And so, uh, Kurt take, you know, rips off the boot and he's like, what? And then runs right into a small package and, and Eddie ends up winning. Um, but very, very creative. Um, one of my favorite Eddie Guerrero spots is when, and, and they still do it to this day is where he would, the ref would be, um, down or whatnot and he'd take a chair and he'd throw it to the other guy and then you know he'd hit it on the mat and he'd throw it to the other guy and the other guy would catch it and eddie would lay down like he got hit and then the referee would come to and see see his opponent with the chair and he's like wait no no and they disqualify him um and eddie would win um so so funny so creative and now it's you know it's definitely it's it's the eddie spot is i think what it a lot of people call it so the, the New Day and um, oh, I can't remember the tag team uh, uh, that's in an NXT. They did this a few uh, month or about a month and a half ago uh, when uh, the New Day won the NXT titles. They did that exact spot, but with all four of them. So one when they had the belt, so one had the belt, throws it to uh, one uh, one of the other team, tag team whose name I cannot remember. Um, throws it to uh, Xavier Woods. And then dude drops down. Xavier Woods sees it, like, oh no, no, throws it to the other dude, and then Xavier Woods drops down. Uh, second dude see, uh, has the belt, sees uh, 
uh, Kofi throws it to Kofi, and uh, Kofi uh, the first guy gets back up, and Kofi sees him, so he throws the, to the the other guy. The other guy just drops, it, and they all are laying down like they passed out because they all knocked each other. It was a great way to do the Eddie spot. Um, but I actually used the Eddie spot uh, on one of our Devotion Championship matches, uh, which was a great match. Uh, it was against um, oh, who was it? Uh, the Handsome Devil. I. Uh, we had brought him in, and uh, me and him were working a match. And uh, part of the way through, um, I'm going to pick him up off the mat, and he undoes the ref's belt and the ref's pants drop. And so the ref's sitting there trying to get his pants back up, and so he's got his back to us as uh, the handsome devil pulls the belt out. Uh, like he pulls the belt out, and then the pants drop. And he's trying to hold his pants up, trying to like uh, get something to help him out with it. And the devil goes to hit me with the, the thing. Well, I kick him in the gut. He drops the thing. I grab the I grab the belt, like snap it real fast. He's like, I'm going to hit the pants of the devil with it. I look over and I see the rest still trying to get his pants fixed. I smack him in the ass with the belt, hand it to the handsome devil, and then I drop down. <laughs> totally did the any spot with it. It was fantastic and the crowd just ate it up it was so fun <laughs> yeah, thanks eddie <laughs> yeah man so many good memories yeah where um, what were your thoughts when so when eddie passed um i remember i remember it being very very shocking yeah um because i believe that he was um there was talks that he was going to um end up wrestling and defeating batista for the championship again he was going to get another run with the belt and um you know and then he was found in his hotel room um and that was i know that that was a really tough moment i know they did the the tribute um the on the raw um like the day after or whatever the week a couple of days maybe later um and it was they did the tribute video with uh, Johnny Cash, you know, doing Hurt. Um, and I, it was uh, just one of those emotional things. I, there's there's a few wrestlers that it really hit me hard. Um, and Eddie was one of those. Yeah. Um, I can think of two others where it was just really bad um, as far as how, the impact that it had on me. Um, Eddie was definitely one of those. Yeah, for me, Eddie was definitely uh, probably the most comparable to uh, when Jamin passed. Um, just how heartfelt it was, and I had never met Eddie, um, but I don't know. Just the way he was, how true he was. Uh, even though, like in this business, you hardly ever get to show like yourself in the ring. I always felt like we saw the real Eddie in the ring, especially later on um, with his charisma and everything else. I mean. Could anybody else have made the LWO and WCW an actual thing that made money if it wasn't for Eddie? Um, well, I remember when he passed uh, and heard about it, I was kind of dumbstruck thinking to myself that there's no way he could have just passed like that. Um, and then to find out, like, you know, Chavo was one of the first people there when he passed. Things like that. It was, it, it was just, you know, it hit me hard. Um, Probably the hardest of uh, WB workers 
um, to this moment. Like it was, it was really tough. Uh, but with that sad news, um, let's move on to sadly the literal next person to pass in the business right after Eddie, uh, which was not very long after. I think what not even a year uh, was when Benoit passed. So, um, it would have been. Let's see. Benoit passed. I want to say in two thousand seven. And I think Eddie passed, uh, d- like just, I want to say like December of 2005. So maybe like two, like a year and a half, basically. It didn't really feel long. Mm-hmm. Like it felt like almost back to back. Yeah, I was, um, and I, I gotta say though that it's, it feels almost wrong to say when Chris Benoit passed. Because of how, you know, how it happened. It's um, true, but similarly, like, I don't want to get into any controversy with this, mm-hmm. but um, with his uh, CEC that he had dealt with, uh, the the brain damage from multiple head injuries, um, which uh, we see now with uh, people like Chris Nowinski uh, running his uh, neurological company to talk about concussions like that and you know the concussion protocols and WWE and and, and uh nfl and basketball and baseball uh most every sport now has a concussion protocol largely due to people like muhammad ali and chris benoit with the damage they suffered from cec um so i am going to continue with going that he passed uh for those who don't know um and i can't say how much it was due to damage how much it was due to steroids even though they you know it's that was initially the report was it was a roid rage incident, but as far as um, anyone's been able to say since then, it, it doesn't seem to be. Uh, but he did end up uh, killing himself after he killed his wife Nancy and their son uh, Daniel. Um, but more of it's what we're talking about today is his impact on the business and how we felt initially after the passing of. Um, we will include in this particular part, though, our additional feelings after we found out the method of how everything happened. So that being said, um, I'm not going to lie. Chris Benoit as a technical wrestler is probably on my Mount Rushmore of technical wrestlers. He's one of the best, if not the best, uh, when it comes to being a technical wrestler in the business. He did everything with a perfect fluidity. Um, that say maybe Brian Danielson or Daniel Brand, sure one you want to go with, um, has reached. I don't think anybody else has ever come close to it. Um, I, for me at the time, to me, Chris Benoit was the best wrestler in the world. I, I, you know, I believe he could he could just go in there. His intensity and his um, his technical wrestling he i mean he could really do it all because he could brawl he could have great brawling matches he could have great technical wrestling matches um he put his body on the line um you know more than anybody else uh, maybe maybe other than maybe somebody like mick foley um and he just was the best uh 
there was very few um that could hold a candle to Chris Benoit in the ring. And uh he was you know, if you just wanted to look at just his wrestling ability, he he might have been top five ever. Um yeah. he was he was that good. I remember a, a couple of, of uh, matches I want to bring up because there were so many, uh, just like Eddie, there were so many. Um, but one was was a match that was, you know, it wasn't on a big pay-per-view. It wasn't, uh, it, it was a match on a velocity. And it was Chris Benoit versus William Regal. And they tore it up. Um, and it was... Uh, they had actually wrestled uh, another match that was um, on a it was a non-WWE show that actually got William Regal his job back in, in a similar situation to kind of like Eddie Guerrero um, where uh, Chris Benoit wrestled uh, William Regal and they had such a phenomenal match that William Regal got hired back uh, and but another great match is what I consider one of the two best triple threat matches in, in, in wrestling history, uh, WrestleMania 20, Chris Benoit versus triple H versus Shawn Michaels. I mean, it was just amazing. Just everything going into that match, the story, the, the actual yeah. wrestling ability, the gosh, they just, they they just played that so well. Uh, triple, triple threat matches are hard to do they're really hard to do they can become a cluster if you if you don't have the right spots and you don't have you know um enough action and they just it was beautiful and the pop when when chris benoit gets triple h in the cross face and then you know triple h is reaching for the ropes and then he he realizes he's not going to reach it so he rolls trying to get out of it and then it he rolls right in the center of the ring and there's no ropes anywhere near him and triple h taps out that place came unglued just as big as they did when eddie won his championship it was just i remember just that was such a um such a moment um and it was one of the best triple uh threat matches ever and then they went on the next month at backlash and they had an you know a rematch of that triple threat match and i'd be hard pressed to say that it wasn't almost just as good and it was a different complete dynamic because it was in canada it was actually in uh chris benoit's hometown and uh Mm -hmm. it was it's looking back on that you know chris when chris benoit makes sean michaels tap out to the sharpshooter in canada i mean that was such a moment there too um and and then you know it's kind of sad looking back now because after that match you you had uh benoit's family and his you know nancy and and his son daniel were you know got in the ring you know celebrating and it's it's kind of sad to look back now i remember um when i find out when i found out um uh, michelle morgan actually was was the one that uh had let me know she texted me and was like uh Chris Benoit is is dead and then she followed that up I was like what what how or when I and she followed it up by uh his whole family's dead 
and that you know without any other details that was like what is going on i i thought at first it was some sort of like uh, uh robbery gone wrong well i i actually thought it was um uh carbon monoxide you know i thought it was something oh. like something like that you know oh, yeah. where they they died in their sleep or something and and then and because very little details were out and they did the they were doing the tribute show um because it happened you know because it it was uh right before um the, the night before was the the pay-per-view that they were doing i um i want to say it was it was like no mercy or maybe it was vengeance or something like that i forget i believe it was no mercy yeah no mercy um, in texas if i remember right yeah it de- definitely was in texas and uh, he was supposed to wrestle CM Punk the night before for the ECW mm-hmm. Championship, which that would have been an amazing match. We got robbed of that. Um, but he no-showed the pay-per-view. And um, I hadn't seen the pay-per-view yet, actually. And so... Um, and knowing you, that's no surprise. I was... <laughs> uh, I don't remember what... I, I think... It, at the time, I wasn't ordering the pay-per-views. I was I was downloading them the next morning, and mm-hmm. so um, I didn't know that he had no-showed the pay-per-view when you know Michelle texted me. But I remember preparing for you know to watch that Raw tribute show, and slowly during that show or right before it, news started to trickle in on the internet, and of you know I was hearing lots of things. And I just remember um, just being in shock, like, and 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 in denial at the time, because I was like, "There's no way, there's no way," you know. And people were just bashing him online and everything. And I just remember being like, "You're ruining his his legacy. This isn't this isn't true." When it all comes out, it's you know, it's that's not going to be what happened. People are jumping to conclusions. And I just, I remember that was another one that hit me really hard. Um, Cause I felt, I felt sad for his family. I felt sad for him. I, I felt sad that we had lost such a talent, but I also at the time, not knowing the details, I felt sad that he had just passed and his, his name was being drugged through the mud. Um, and uh, you know, not knowing, you know, all the details, um, but it's, it's just sad because he had such a great career and to have it end in the way that it did. And where now, you know, he's, I'm pretty sure he's never going to be inducted into the hall of fame for a while. For a while, they took him completely off the network where he basically got erased from history where you couldn't find a Chris Benoit match. It was, it was all gone. You know, now they've included it with, you know, disclaimers, but um it was just it was really rough and i remember i remember shedding a few tears over that and uh but it's it's just sad situation and it's sad you know for his son and for his wife and i don't think we'll ever really know exactly what happened that day it was kind of bizarre because it you know chavo you know had had talked about how he got he got texts from benoit's phone um, cause Chavo again was another one that was the first to kind of know something was wrong. Um, he got yep. texted, you know, weird things like, 
like Benoit texting him saying, I love you. And Chava was like, he never said that to me, you know? And so that was weird. And then him, him texting out, you know, the dogs are in the, you know, are in the yard or in the, you know, whatever, or, um, and things like that. It was really weird. And we'll never know exactly what was going on then or, you know, or what caused it. Um, we'll never know, which is, which is really sad. Um, but yeah. If you guys want to take a, a watch or listen to of a great documentary on the sadness of this with Benoit, um, go on the vice, uh, the dark side of the moon or dark side of the ring. Um, did a two part episode of this that was fantastic and was done in such a respectful way for all parties involved, uh, as well as some great other wrestlers got to comment on it and the things you got to hear what their thoughts were. Uh, you can truly see the impact that Benoit uh, had in the business, uh, with all the people who obviously cared for him and, uh, felt for him and Nancy and Daniel and everything else like that. And the impact that he continues to have um, in this business. Uh, one is the rarity you ever see uh, now of the top rope headbutt. Um, it's almost hardly ever done. In fact, I believe it's banned in the WWE um, for doing, and that's part to do with Benoit's, because uh, they believe that's part of his uh, CEC that happened, as well as multiple chair shots, which was also banned after um or chair shots to the head specifically. Uh, but people doing like the cross face now and things like that. And the German suplexes, like the German suplex spot, uh, which you see now that people do like Brock Lesnar did it, uh, was mostly, you know, was, you know, him and Kurt Angle it was mostly Benoit and Kurt Angle that were doing those multiple German spots. Uh, and I'm not saying that there were people in like uh, Japan doing similar things, stuff like that. But like, Notoriety-wise, it was really between Kurt and Benoit well before Suplex City came around. So, as impacting the business, good, bad, and otherwise, there's very few people uh, who've impacted the business more than Benoit has. Um, on to uh, our next uh, wrestler who has impacted the business um, and probably will be our last for tonight. Uh, we can continue doing this. There's so many great wrestlers uh, in the mainstream business as well as around the world. Um, and I, I do apologize. Uh, we haven't reached out to, you know, like Japan because there are so many there who have passed or in Mexico who have impacted the business. We're just trying to stay with the mainstream right now. And uh, mostly how we're feeling ourselves. Cause again, this was not the episode we planned on initially. Um, I think the last one we'll talk about tonight is, of course, Owen Hart. Um, Owen Hart, of course, uh, youngest brother, uh, Bret Hart, uh, and the you know Hart family, uh, arguably the best of the Hearts, um, who never really had this opportunity to really show the world what he could do. I. Uh, great wrestler uh one of the best wrestlers especially when it came to timing and character work uh really pushed for a high flying like a lot of the stuff you see 
that he does or he did a lot of people do now in high flying with like uh hurricane ranas and you know missile drop kicks uh sunset flips those are all like staples that he did he was a high flyer before it was it wasn't even a high flyer he was a uh mix uh style artist because uh, he had the technical wrestling along with the high flying that you see now it's so common in the business now owen kind of pushed that he was like the godfather of that style uh well before anybody ever brought it along to the mainstream uh sadly he passed in an accident in uh was it kansas city i believe yeah kansas city um, missouri it was that 99 yep 2001 over the 99. edge 99 yeah 99 uh he was supposed to or he was doing a blue blazer gimmick uh where he was dressed up in a mask um and that was the one thing about owen that people always said is he was always down for a good joke a rip and he he never had an ego um so something like uh this blue blazer gimmick which was nothing more than a joke gimmick um but he got it over because he was owen hart uh he was supposed to come down from the rafters um kind of like how sting did uh, back in the day uh i believe the only reason they even did it is well the rumor was that the re- uh, reason that that was even brought up was because wcw had been there the week before and had the stuff there to do it um this whole thing where he would drop down from the rafters into the ring and they wanted to use sting stuff to do the same thing um and the release got caught up or something like that happened and uh part of the way through the the ball or the being brought down the release was uh triggered and i uh, he hit fell and literally his last act before or as he was falling uh which ended up being chest first onto the turnbuckle uh was to yell at the ref to move his last act in this world was to make sure that somebody else was safe um i believe that's correct you may have to correct me on that nick um that's true on that i i know that they used uh it was it was the guy that um that had designed the um the the release and stuff for sting so it was it was the same guy that had designed it for sting to drop down from the rafters so it had been done um and there's lots of there's lots of stuff out there you know that says that they used a different method this time because they they wanted him to be uh able to uh release quicker so you know when he hit the ground so that he wouldn't he wouldn't be fumbling you know to get out of it um and so um and there's lots of controversy on that i won't get so much into the controversy so much on that um i mean another thing like you said go watch the dark side of the ring on on owen hart um and they do a great job going into that as well and interviewing um the key people um and so uh i know that for me like i want to talk about owen a little bit here where some of the best stuff he did he he did such a great job as as uh you know brett's winding brother you know where um you know that whole storyline was masterful of where owen was jealous of brett and 
you know, and, uh, you know, when he turned on Brett and he ended up, uh, uh, kicking his leg at, at Royal Rumble, uh, 94 when they were wrestling the Quebecers and, uh, he, after the match, they, they had lost to the Quebecers cause they, they had stopped the match cause Brett's knee was hurt and Brett gets up and Owen kicks his leg out. And when he goes to the back, he cuts this promo. Um, and, um, it's one of the, it's one of the funniest promos cause he stumbles over his words and he was like, and that's why I kicked your leg out from under your leg or something. You know, it's just funny <laughs> how, how his delivery on it was just perfect. Oh, it was so hilarious. Um, and, and, uh, and then they went on to the, um, the WrestleMania and, and Owen and Brett had one of the best opening matches in, in pay-per-view history. Um, and yep. it was, it was such a great match. Uh, and Owen really came into his own there. And then Owen went on to win the King of the Ring that year. Um, you know, the year after Brett had won it. And then they had that great steel cage match at SummerSlam 94. I, I still think it's one of the best uh, steel cage matches there is because it was very different. It was all about escaping the cage and you know, the drama in that of where, you know, one guy would be escaping and the other guy would just barely grab their leg or grab their head and pull them back in. And it was, it was just very different um, cage match that you would see. Uh, And then an underrated match that doesn't get talked about enough uh, is Owen Hart versus the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith uh, in the finals of the European championship tournament. And that match is one of the best technical wrestling matches I've ever seen still to this day. Um, it, it went to show you just how good Owen was. Um, Cause you know, he honestly, I prefer that match over the Bret Hart versus British Bulldog matches. Um, it's that good. Um, if you haven't seen it, wow. go back and watch it, hunt it down. It is amazing. Um, and and they they kind of play off of the Brett and and Bulldog match, and so they they do some spots that kind of is like almost like an Easter egg or a throwback to it. Um, but great stuff. And then yeah, Owen was such a prankster from all the things you read about him. You know he he was able to do the best ribs ever. One of my favorite ones is uh, where uh, Stu Hart, his dad, gets a phone call. Um, Brett writes about this in his book where, uh, you know, Owen, Owen, uh, so Stu Hart gets a call and it's, it's this, uh, I forget it's Reggie, Reggie something. I, th- I want to say Reggie Parks or something like that. And he's saying it's Reggie and, and Brett is listening to this phone call and it, it increasingly gets, you know, Stu's getting more agitated, more agitated till, um, the other line is like, if you want to do something about it, why don't you try me or something? And it's like, I'm in the lobby right now. And, and Stu's like, you don't have to, you know, like, he's just like, if you want to try me, why didn't you just, all you had to do was say so, you know? And, and he's like getting all worked up and he's out of breath. Cause he's like ready to go kick this guy's ass. And, <laughs> and then Stu ends up hanging up the phone. He's like, Stinking Owen got me again. 
or something, you know, because he realized <laughs> it was Owen, and it was just so funny. That, um, yeah, if you ever hear Brett tell that story or read his book, it's so funny. Um, and then, but I remember um, when when Over the Edge 1999 happened. Um, I had actually just gotten back from Alaska that day. I had lived in Alaska for about six months. And uh, I had just gotten back that day. I flew, I literally flew back that morning and I was, I ordered that pay-per-view that, that day. And I remember just being in complete shock because I remember, you know, the, they were showing a video package of the Godfather and Owen Hart uh, right before. And you just hear this commotion in the background. You can hear the crowd react. And something's, and, and you just hear Jim Ross say something has gone very, very wrong here, um, you know. And they go to the video package, and and then they come back, and you just, it's on Jim Ross, and he's, you know, talking about how, you know, Owen Hart was supposed to, you know, do a dramatic uh, entrance as the Blue Blazer, but this is not part of the show. This is as real as it gets. Um, and he broke, he completely broke character, broke kayfabe right there, you know, to, you know, to let people know this is not part of the show. This is, this is not scripted entertainment. This is not any of that. This is a real life situation. Then when Jerry Lawler came back, cause he had jumped in the ring when Owen had fallen. <clears throat> and, uh, when Jerry Lawler came back to sit next to, um, Jim Ross, it was, you could just see it in his face and he was just. He was like, it doesn't, this isn't good. This doesn't look good at all. And imagine being in their shoes where they have to report on this, not knowing the details and not knowing, you know, having seen that and having to go live, you know, to try to explain it. Um, and then there was still a part of me, like right after that match, there was Jeff Jarrett was, which was Owen's best friend at the time was going to go out to the ring mm -hmm. for a match, had to wrestle immediately after. And he was just, in complete tears, you know, and and just like, you know, saying, Owen, we love you. And uh, they went out, but then I believe it was like right after that match or maybe two matches later, Jim Ross said, I have the unfortunate news to tell you that Owen Hart has, has died. And I just remember being in complete shock because I was like, wait a minute, what? Like, I just couldn't believe I, I didn't understand what, what had happened. Um, and yep. then watching that Owen Hart tribute show the night after was, was, uh, was very hard. Um, just seeing everybody's outpouring though of their, um, that was the first time they really did a full tribute show where they were having people talk about, um, talk about a wrestler's death that had just happened on on the program sadly you know they'd have to do that many more times um but but it was just one of those surreal things where you heard everybody telling their stories about owen and and uh i i just still couldn't believe that he had passed away um and it and in that fashion yeah um i mean you always hear about people like oh you know passed away doing the things they love and, you know <laughs> stuff like that and you know uh even work is like oh i want to pass away in the ring but uh i can i couldn't imagine uh not only you know 
passing away in the ring, but being in the ring with that person when it happens or things like that, being being around that or being in like Jim Ross's dollars uh, like uh, shoes, having to try and keep composure or even uh, Jared's shoes of having to wrestle after your best friend was just rushed to the hospital. I mean, wrestling's hard uh, enough without having, yeah. you know, without having to deal with that of passing of your best friend in the very ring you're about to go out to and try to have a match. Like, how do you even do that? I mean, you got to think that their whole hearts wasn't in it. And, and sadly, like, cause if you're, if they go out there and try to have a match and that's on their mind, somebody could get seriously hurt, you know? Um, yeah. And it's just, I, I don't know how, how they did that. Um, and there's a lot of, I mean, you can go back and forth over whether or not, you know, they should have stopped the show or whatnot. Uh, it's, it was a different time back then. I think, I think if that had happened today, yeah. I think the show would be stopped, but nobody really knew what to do then because that had never happened before. There had never been a wrestler that died yeah. in the ring, um, you know, on a, on a major show. <clears throat> um, and you just think like, if Owen had been alive, I almost think a hundred percent he would have got a he would have got a chance to be the champion at some point. Especially if you look at the later years where, you know, uh, where there was Benoit and stuff like that. He, I mean, all the great matches he could have had: Owen versus Benoit, Owen and Jericho, Owen and Edge. Like he would have been there for all of that, you know, with them coming up. Yeah. Um, and you know. It's just a shame that we well, it was only just a few that. years. Yeah, it's only a couple of years that we had Benoit and Jericho mm-hmm. and Guerrero oh. and everybody else as they were coming up. Um, even some people like Edge, like Owen, never really had a chance to have. I, I think they might have had mm-hmm. like a, a match together, but they right. really didn't have a match yeah. uh, opportunity for matches. And not when Edge was really, uh, you know, in his prime, you know, or even it. No, up. can you imagine Owen versus Dean Malenko? That would have been amazing. Yeah. There's there's so many opportunities that we've lost out on um, with everyone we've talked about tonight. Yeah. Uh, I sadly I, I didn't get to watch over the edge. Um, I was living with my grandparents at the time, and uh, I had to pay for the pay per views myself, and it was just me. And uh, I was still in high school, so I didn't really have a ton of money. So unless it was a huge pay per view, I really wanted to see. I didn't pay for it. But uh, I heard about it the next day, and then watched the uh, the raw tribute after. Um, Owen, to be honest, like I never realized it until later that uh, he was one of my favorites to watch. Um, with his character work, his heel work, because he, he was such a great heel, uh, and everything else he did, and the stuff that uh, they did, or he did with. Uh, was it the nation um, going mm. against uh, the DX at the time and the whole, I'm not a nugget stuff. was always so good. So good. I don't, I cannot remember anything that Owen has ever done or had ever done that was not high quality. I mean, look at the blue blazer by itself. Blue blazer was such a garbage gimmick, but it was so beloved and so much entertainment because it was Owen. Uh, the stuff that Owen did with uh, 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 Yokozuna, uh, who also passed as well, um, had so much great stuff uh, in it. And again, 
could anybody else have done as much entertainment with that stuff and been so good with it if it wasn't Owen? I, it makes me think Owen was the better heart. Uh, there was... I mean, obviously he didn't get the push that Brett got. Um, you know, and I think if Brett hadn't been there, I mean, maybe Owen wouldn't have got the shot, but but at the same time, if if there wasn't a Brett, you know, there around, Owen would have, you know, really, I think, excelled too, though, about, you know, he wouldn't have been compared to somebody like that. Um, but I, I want to I wanna mention this one memory that just popped in my head of Owen. They they were doing this um they were doing this storyline where he had been um I think where he had quit or he got fired or something like that. So he was supposed to be gone from the company, you know, in storyline. Mm-hmm. And somebody was doing this brawl through through the backstage area and and Owen hadn't been on TV in forever and they didn't they didn't clear out the whole area. And so they bust whoever it was, was doing this hardcore match or whatever, a brawl. And they bust into this, like through this door into this locker room area. And there's Owen and he's on the phone and it wasn't supposed to happen. And Owen just looks at the camera (laughs) and he's like, you didn't see me. And he just shuts the door. It's it's hilarious. <laughs> just his dead pet, like without missing a beat. He's like, I'm not, I'm not here, you know. And it's, uh, <laughs> um, like we're just supposed to forget that that happened because he wasn't supposed to be revealed yet. And it was, um, Vince Vince Russo actually tells this story. I heard it on his podcast, and it's just, um, but I remembered the segment, and I was just like, it was just hilarious. Um, because Owen could just improv like nobody else, you know. He just he was just a, a character, and uh, well, sadly, he'll be missed or he'll be uh, missed. Yeah, sadly, Owen's. I can't even say heyday because I don't think we ever saw his peak. But uh, some of the best stuff with Owen was uh, back in uh, the tape days when we would pass tapes to each other to watch stuff. Um, could you imagine? Owen Hart in the digital age, the social media age now. Uh, he would be somebody like like Johnny Gargano, um, where he was so beloved. Uh, and he was. He was still beloved, but like not on the same level. Uh, he'd be like that or like a Daniel Bryan uh, or Brian Danielson um, kind of level of beloved because that was just who he was. And he just oozed that through everything he did. Um, without it being said, uh, if you guys, and I, I know, and I apologize that this is uh, a lot more of a somber episode um, than we usually do. We try to make it a lot more humorous, um, but the passing of anybody is really hard, and uh, it didn't feel right to have uh, an episode tonight uh, after the news of Jay Briscoe that wasn't sharing some true feelings uh, about the business and how we've been impacted by loss with the people in this business. Uh, so please share your stories with us of uh, wrestlers, whether it's, you know, Owen Hart, Jay Briscoe, um, Jamin, if you know him um, or any of that on our social medias, uh, be hero media on Facebook, Instagram, 
as well as TikTok. Uh, you can also find me uh, as Mike Burke DCW on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, um, and of course Psycho at Psycho Wrestling on Facebook. Let us know your guys' thoughts on this episode um, and your your feelings about the loss of any of these wrestlers and how it all made you feel. It, it it's really sombering, but try to remember the best of these people and how they made you feel the entertainment that they were able to share with you and what they wanted to do for a living and how it made you feel. Uh, being a wrestler of both of us, some of the greatest moments in my life, uh, save my wife and children have been in the ring. And the moments that made me feel most alive was the reactions that we get from you. And I'm sure that these uh, wrestlers who have passed had had those exact same feelings. So share your uh, emotions, share your memories of these great people. Um, I'm not going to do our normal send off tonight. Uh, not going to talk about devotion stuff. You guys know where to find out devotion wrestling on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm just going to say. To all these great fans, or excuse me, all these great workers we've talked about tonight, you tapped out way too soon. And you'll be loved and remembered. You guys have a good night.